Okay, hi, hello, welcome to Smoke Show. This is Claire coming to you from day five of having a head cold. Um, so if my voice sounds different, that's why. Uh, I I don't know. I guess I'm. I recorded a little bit about the about something, and um, oh, this is a great start to this one. Uh, that's what having a cold feels like in live time, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to get on here and chit chat a little bit. Um, last night something funny happened. Um, where the owner of Balthazar was like, James Corden is a terrible fucking human being who I'm banning from my restaurant because he's abusive to my wait staff. And everybody was like, yay! Because James Corden just is notoriously not a nice celebrity. Um, and I also think that he ruins every single movie musical he's ever been in. And um, he made The Prom as bad as it was. And The Prom really faded out of public consciousness quite quickly. But because I talked about it on my old podcast, I feel like I'm always, you know, thinking about it just a little bit. Um, but he's there's so many stories of James Corden just being an absolute asshole. And then it, two more came out last night from the owner of Balthazar's, who's like, I've never 86 somebody from my restaurant, and I'm going to on James Corden. And then within 24 hours, he reversed that decision. And I just think that, like, if you are somebody who is coming out and publicly stating, hey, this guy was abusive to my wait staff to the point that I will not allow him to dine in my establishment anymore. And all that guy has to do is call and say, I'm so sorry for you to reverse your decision. Yeah, I feel really great as a member of that wait staff today being like, cool, boss. Thanks for having our back. Like, you know what I mean? Just like so unserious. Don't 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 make a decision like that unless you're willing to not reverse. It just. Bleh. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> New York City has had a few things recently. Eric Adams, cop mayor, recently decided, and by recently I do mean last night, had a whole fucking presser because he is forcing supers and landlords to not put the trash out until 8 p.m. To fix the New York City rat problem because we have a big rat problem in the city. It's gotten worse in the last few months, last years, I would imagine, for many, many reasons. But one of them, which nobody ever mentions, is that there's actually been a series of landlords trying to chase tenants out of their apartments. One of the ways that they have done that is to release rats. Uh, so that feels really serious and like something could be done about that. The other things they do include like turning off the water for two weeks at a time, not turning on heat, making it unlivable, um, constantly having construction on both sides of somebody's apartment. So I think basically get driven crazy and have to leave their apartment. There's no retribution for this. We don't have tenants rights. Tenants should have a union, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> there should be landlord reviews. Like once I leave an apartment, I should be able to leave a review somewhere that says like, this was my experience. This is how it was in terms of like fixing things. And like with this apartment, it would actually be like a pretty solid review. Um, I really like my landlord. I like my house. I think he does a really nice job of like keeping it really nice and clean, like in the area surrounding that he's in charge of. He fixes things when they go out and he's willing to change my light bulbs when I ask him to. So, and then I stand as he does it and I say thank you so many times that both of us feel uncomfortable <laughs> because I don't know what to do with my hands when he's in my apartment. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, Eric Adams last night held a whole press conference to be like, we're going to make you put out the garbage two hours later and that'll fix it. As if the rats were only coming out to eat the garbage between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m. Uh, but the problem is New York City does not have any alleyways, which surprises people. I think people think New York City has alleyways. I don't know why. Particularly Manhattan. There is one alleyway in Manhattan. I know exactly where it is. and It's, it's in Soho. It's by the Goth McDonald's. Um, it's off of Canal. And I have eaten McDonald's in that alleyway. Actually had one of like my loveliest little memories is in that alleyway. Like just laughing my fucking ass off with two of my friends eating McDonald's at like midnight after an art show. 
Um, and my other memories include taking people there because they needed to pee and they had nowhere else to pee. And I was like, I know where you can pee in New York because the entire alleyway smells like piss because everybody knows that there's this one alleyway that you can piss in. <laughs> there are no places to leave your garbage. So what we do as New Yorkers is we take it out to these little trash cans. Either Mine currently are in the front of my house. In the past, they've been like in the backyard. Or... Um, in the past, like in my Harlem apartment, they were kind of in the backyard or like outside of the apartment building, like kind of off to a thing. Anyway, you take your garbage and recycling out and then your landlord takes that and he puts it in bigger bags and then he puts that out on or she. But I honestly have never had a female super or they, I suppose. Um, they take it out. They put it in a big black trash bag. They take it out and they put it on the sidewalk where it sits from the hours of currently 4 to 6 p.m. until the next morning when it's picked up. This is not to say that they're not doing sanitation work all night. It's just a lot of times the stuff is still out there the next morning. And by that time, the rats have gotten to it. They've ripped it open. They're eating out of it. The bags are now ripped. So when the garbage guys come to pick them up and throw them in the back of the truck, they explode or they're strewn about. And they don't have the time or the resources to clean all of this shit up. And I don't think that it's their job to do that. New York sanitation workers are the heroes of the city. They honestly deserve so many medals. When you reach a certain point in it, they actually do dress you up like a general and take a photo of you, which I think is very interesting. And like sanitation is the lifeblood of the city. The city needs it to survive. But the idea that the mayor is going to fix a rat problem by moving the output of the garbage two hours later is like, no, 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 buddy. The the rats are actually afraid of people. Like rats are smart. They're as afraid of people as they should be. So between the hours of six and eight, they're actually not that active. Um, it's really when you're walking home alone at night and they hear you coming that you'll see like seven scatter from a certain place. That's disgusting. When we're all moving our feet around, they're not out and about. They're in their cracks and crevices waiting for us to go to sleep so that they can come out and have their little feasts. Rats are very smart. Honestly, it pains me to talk about rats as like, uh, I feel like adding to like the vermin discourse around rats is not great because I do think that rats actually make great pets. <laughs> Particularly if you have children and they want a companion animal and you're like, okay, a cat is too much for the family. A dog is way too much for the family. Get them um, get them a rat for many reasons. And this is going to sound morbid, but one is rats don't live that long. Even well-bred pet rats, they live like three, four years tops. I am being so fucking serious when I say this. When parents come in, and say, we're going to teach our kid responsibility by getting an animal. I, my, a part of my soul used to die because I was like, you're teaching your kid responsibility through endangering a living being. Um, I, I was a kid who loved animals and I didn't take care of my gerbil that well. You know why? Didn't really bond with her because she was mean. She bit me the few times I tried to hold her. Gerbils are mean. Um, hamsters are mean. They're not they're like little burrowing creatures. They're they're really more... There are certain pets that I like to refer to as like habitat pets. So like there are people who love lizards, but who really don't like want... Like lizard people are really... Lizard people and hamster people should be the same type of people, but they're not because people think hamsters are for kids. Because every single accessory they make for hamsters is bright plastic and um, just it's awful. So if there are really cool natural hamster habitats, this is getting into an entirely different part of my personality that has been put to bed for quite a while. So I'm not going to get into it too much. But guinea pigs live for like 15 years 
like when they're well taken care of. So if you're trying to get your kid something to teach it responsibility and your kid is like nine, do you really think your kid is going to want those guinea pigs when they are 24? Like, that's a long time. We would get calls being like, my kid's going to college. What do I do with these guinea pigs? And I would be like, that sounds like a you problem, bro. Like, I don't fucking know. And like, I did know I would give them resources. But it was just this thing where I was like, you didn't consider that when you got them that like you didn't want to take care of these things for the rest of their lives. Like, it's their life. Like, you're taking responsibility for it. I do think when people are irresponsible pet owners, and I'm not trying to say that like, You should never get rid of an animal or that you're trapped in a decision you made forever. But I just like people would come in and they would be like, oh, parakeets are only like 20 bucks. And I would just be like, you do not want a parakeet. If you are getting a parakeet because you think parakeets are cheap, you don't want a parakeet. They're really annoying. (laughs) Like, um, The thing I was saying about lizard people is like a lot of lizard people um, love lizards. I'm not saying that they don't. But they want an animal that like looks cool and that they make a cool environment for. And then they just kind of have a buddy that's like around. But like they're not necessarily picking up their leopard gecko and trying to make it have close emotional ties to them. And hamsters, they think, should be treated the same way where it's like, hey, look at this really cool enriching environment that we made for this thing. It gets to enjoy its life now. But kids want to hold stuff and snuggle stuff. And you know who actually wants to be held and snuggled? Rats. And you can train them to do things. I had a friend who trained their rat to get tissues anytime anytime they sneezed. You can set up little mazes. Rats are very smart. Um, they're, They're cool. And you can also potty train them and stuff. Anyway, if you are looking for a very low maintenance pet, especially for a child who you're trying to like, who wants something cool and fun to like cuddle with, get them a rat. Rats are great. Uh, but when it comes to sanitation, rats are the enemy because they carry disease and they're also scavengers and they also live for a while. I'm talking about rats and my resident um, cat co-host is is here to give her take, which is mostly just flicking her tail against the microphone. So um, it's not going to do anything. What would do stuff is having dumpsters on the corners, um, any of the other sanitation solutions that literally every other major city in the world has already come up with that New York just absolutely refuses to engage with for whatever reason. I understand we don't have alleyways. I understand people don't want giant dumpsters on the side of the road, but like, why not? Why? What's worse? The hot garbage juice that leaks out because in the summer, the sun beats down on all of these plastic trash bags and then they get hot and then they get gross and stuff leaks out because it gets hot. And the other thing is, like, I'm really lucky because I live in Queens, so I still have a composting program. And I really think that, like, if New York made its composting program a lot more robust and really taught people about compost and we had more compost things and compost was just, like, more accessible to people, we would have a we would have fewer food scraps for the rats to be chewing on. And so they'd be less tempted to go to the trash. There's just so many solutions. And the only one they could come up with is put out the trash two hours later, which, as many people pointed out, isn't going to work because, one... Like, you're not going to pay your super to stay late so that they can, you know? So stupid. So, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about New York. Um, I got, I rounded up a bunch of the stuff that I was watching while I was sick. But truly, I have done almost nothing except uh, consume Fran Lebowitz interviews for the last, like, five days. So, thinking a lot about New York and loving New York and being somebody who really does love living here. And Fran says a lot of stuff. But one of the things that really stuck with me is, like, America hates New York. And they hate elites. But they don't hate rich people. Rich people are not elites. Smart people are elites. And Americans <laughs> hate smart people. It just made me laugh because I was like, 
Okay, well, I thought my cat was almost escaping out the window, so that was terrifying. Um, but yeah, I would recommend, if you've never listened to Fran Leibowitz, I really love her. I think she's really leading me towards this kind of thing of like, oh, I have to start really saying my opinions and like believing in myself and saying them with my whole chest and not just lightly or couching them in a bunch of stuff. If I think I'm right, I can think I'm right, and that's okay. Um, and I do love living in the city, and I really... Um, I think for a while I felt like I wasn't sure and it really just felt like, well, there's nowhere else I want to go, you know, like it's not necessarily that I wanted to be in New York, but there's just nowhere else that was better. I don't think that's true anymore. I think I just like love New York now. But uh, anyway, there's a lot, you know, with city infrastructure, it really brings up a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, I wish I knew more about that. I took one, um, city design course in college because I had to take two art history classes for my degree. So I took one on designing cities and it focused solely on New York City. And I think it really did give me like a whole new appreciation for how the city's laid out and just the architecture and all of that. And um, I really like hearing people who are experts talk about things. There's... um, (coughs) And I think anti-intellectualism in America is at an all-time high, and I just really, really encourage everybody to resist it. And I think this this comes up a lot in my job um, because I I don't know how to describe my job title, but basically I work adjacent to a lot of professional facilitators, or like I I yeah. So um, in facilitation. The questions that come up a lot from professional facilitators who are paid a lot of money to get in front of groups of people and help them talk about their feelings um, are really basic questions about how to make people feel comfortable participating. And I think a lot of it has to do with the American education system. (coughs) I was just talking to a friend about how New York um, really made great strides under de Blasio. And it's it's rare that I'll praise de Blasio, but, like, I do think you got to look at what the guy actually did do for New York. You know, once the mayor's term is up, what is the legacy? And I think de Blasio's legacy was that he stopped, stop, and frisk, and he got a universal pre-K going. Um, and now the current mayor wants to undo that. And his university education chancellor or whatever was a gifted and talented kid who's like, no, we need to keep making kids who are gifted and talented separate from kids who are ungifted and untalented. Like I can't imagine anything more damaging to a child than being told that you're not gifted and talented. Uh, And this isn't like everybody's gifted and everybody's, but like I was on the gifted and talented track. I was in APs just because I was a smart kid. And so what you did was you took APs And the amount of kids that are in those classes who, like, don't really know why they're there. They're not super passionate about anything. They're just kind of, like, quote-unquote good kids who, like, paid attention and did the homework. But, like, I don't know that a lot – like, APs are – APs in high school, for me, were what I thought college was going to feel like, which was, like, hey, we're all in this class because we really fucking care about this thing. And, like, I didn't take AP science because I didn't give a shit about science. Like, I wish I had given a shit about science. I wish I had thought to connect with it on any meaningful level, but I didn't. And I didn't take the easier sciences because I thought it was a demotion of self to admit that I wanted to be in gen chem instead of lab chem. And... It just, it's this, it's like a perpetual motion thing, right? Where, like, the kids in schools are not getting what they need, and then they get out into the world, and they don't have what they need. And adults 
are really afraid of looking stupid. <clears throat> and so I think anti-intellectualism comes from a place of fear. I think most human behavior, to be honest, comes from a place of fear. Um, because it makes sense. We're trying to survive and being afraid of something is hard. And also, like, social vulnerability is intense. And I think people treat it lightly. I think they're like, well, you're not going to die if you say something embarrassing. Um, I don't want to make this like, but you, yes, people do have instances that are too embarrassing for them to recover. From. So like, it's a false dichotomy to say nothing can happen to you socially that is irreversible. That's not true. It It is it is impactful. And so you know, when people ask questions that don't and then don't give clear instructions on how they'd like that question answered. Like if you've ever opened up a Zoom and been the person who's in charge and said, how's everybody doing today? And nobody's responded. That's because um, how the fuck do you, uh, you how are you supposed to respond on Zoom? That kind of question of like, hey, everybody, how are we all doing? You're supposed to like, what are you supposed to do? Clap in response? Go like, meh. Like, that's kind of a groany response thing anyway. So like instead you have to ask a specific question and then give instructions on how to answer it. Like, hey, I'd like to hear from a few people like unmute, raise your hand, put it in the chat. Like you just have to give people instructions because the only thing that is usually preventing participation, especially from anybody who is not always willing to participate, which not to generalize, but like um, this is like this is a lived personal experience. Men often don't need help participating if they want to say something. They don't have a lot of like social barriers to overcome in order to say it. Whereas a lot of women are like, is it OK? Is it OK if I volunteer my thought and then I'll end it with if that makes sense? And it does. Don't you worry. Um <coughs> But I think participation is treated like this big mystery. And it's like, there's so many ways to participate. So many people are internal processors. You really just have to give people different methods through which to express themselves. And then if at the end, one person still hasn't done it, with adults, I'm kind of like, that's okay. That's their choice. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they just needed like an hour to just like intake and they didn't want to output. And that's okay. The other thing is, if you require participation from every single person, this is just a pro facilitator tip thrown into the middle of this. Um, pair them up. Just make them talk to one other person. It is so, so, so rare that if you put two people together, one of them will just sit there in stony silence because it's awkward. And now the social vulnerability is so low because there's only other one. There's only one other person. And the social vulnerability changes from will the group think I'm stupid to will this person think I'm an asshole if I don't talk? Like, will the group think I'm stupid if I say this out loud? And this person will think I'm stupid if I don't say anything out loud. Could happen in response to the exact same question. You've just changed the group size. Anyway, now you're all professional facilitators. I wish I was kidding, but like, I really think if professional facilitators, like so many of them... <laughs> Do not understand things that are so basic about human communication because we're all so scared of like, we want these bigger answers. And really all it is is like, we're just a social species. We just like to be smart. I think in anti-intellectualism for me is a security. It's a, it's a defense mechanism. It's a security blanket. It's like, I don't care about that. I don't understand it. So I don't care. That is how I feel about so many things that I'm like, that is going to take too much time and effort for me to understand. And that's a better sentence. <laughs> And I just also think that everybody's so entitled now to things that I'm like, why are you entitled to that? And like, what world are you living in? Like, there was a thread on Twitter saying like, whoo, Twitter's had a few, you know, good few couple days 
<laughs> James Corden got unbanned from Balthazar way too fast. What a bummer. That was such a good little gotcha. But somebody was talking about Sheen and buying clothes from Sheen and how everybody who is, you know, uh, okay. So (laughs) if you're unfamiliar with what Sheen is, bless you. So glad. So fast fashion has picked up in the last few years. Textiles are a mess. You can't buy good denim anymore. There's no such thing as a shirt that holds up for longer than three years. Uh, It's incredible. So fast fashion has been a thing for a long time. And I am somebody who is not going to sit here and be like, and I have never participated in it. I buy regularly, not regularly, because I don't buy that many clothes because shopping and me have a, you know, storied relationship. Clothes shopping, not shopping in general. Love spending money. Hate trying on clothes. Since college, I have been shopping at ASOS. So that's 10 years at least. I, I can't remember the first time, but I'm betting it was junior year. So it's like exactly 10 years. And um, I still own some of the like first pieces I bought, like t-shirts and stuff that have like fallen apart, but I still wear um, to like to bed and stuff. And I get pretty basic pieces. Their jeans wear out, I would say, for me in like three months, which um, not non-skinny jeans. I will say non-skinny jeans wear out less for me, which is a a great tip. I wish I had known in my 20s when I was constantly having to buy new skinny jeans. Torrid's skinny jeans are more money and never lasted longer than a month. So Torrid is a more expensive, quote unquote, like not fast fashion, just like fat girl. uh, I don't know what Torrid's marketing is, to be honest. Torrid, I wouldn't consider Torrid fast fashion. It was like mall fashion, right? But like they weren't cranking through materials. And if they were, they were all ugly and nobody was buying them. Um, But ASOS... ASOS is very hit or miss, but they've always had a good plus section. Thing about ASOS is they are fast fashion. ASOS has had many issues with labor practices and workshops. And like the thing to know about the fashion industry is like, unless the shirt is $300, it was probably made by exploitation because actual textile work is incredibly um, vigorous and it takes a lot. And if you're shipping things all over the world, like it, it's not good. There's no reason that I'm able to buy a shirt for under $10, you know, like that shirt definitely, unless you were buying it secondhand, that shirt was made via exploitation. So I'm not trying to say that like, but I, I just, I do think it illustrates a bigger thing, right? So ASOS, Boohoo, these companies have, Boohoo is worse than ASOS technically. Um, these companies have had a, a, a major uptick in, in the market. They've taken over more of the market. H&M used to produce like really good quality basics. And then they decided to go the Forever 21 route where they were just pumping out bullshit. And people are buying it because of course they are. And it just like what really sucks about it, like really, really sucks is I understand that people need to buy clothing and I am somebody who has been like, there are no good plus size options for me in store that I can afford right now. I have lived barely above the poverty line for most of my twenties. Like I understand that I am saying that from a place where like I have never gone hungry. There are many things that I'm very, very lucky for, but I've never had savings, you know, like I, and when I did, I wasn't buying clothes, which bummer. Um, (laughs) I had a good job for like a year and a half and double income 
Um, and I would give anything to pay half my rent again, except be in a relationship. So, you know, I just really want the housing market to burst, basically. So Sheen is fast fashion on to the nth degree. Like, if you look at a chart of, like, textile waste produced by these places, Boohoo used to be the big red line that everybody was like, oh, that's bad. And Sheen is, like, 300 times worse. Like, it is incalculable how much damage that one company has done to the earth kind of thing. And the thing about Sheen is that they're extremely cheap. So... ASOS ranges. ASOS also bought out Topshop. They occasionally, like, I have a Barney's um, leather jacket that I bought off of ASOS. I have a Levi's jacket that I bought off because they'll often buy dead stock and liquid, like, you know. So ASOS is, I don't fully understand their business model, but they do have in-house designed stuff. And then they do collaborations with people and they kind of have certain lines they carry. Boohoo, everything is, like, under $20. It's weird. It's very cheap. Um... And they have some stuff that's over, but like the when I went to their website during the Kourtney Kardashian, um, we're now environmental because they these brands are getting backlash for this. They feel the need to address it, which is why the Kourtney Kardashian thing happened. And um, I can't go into that here, but I will link the podcast that I really liked that deep dove into it. And it's called Eating for Free. If you don't want to look in the links, Eating for Free. It's a great little podcast. I really recommend it. They're very good at deep dives. And Sheen is just so much worse. But then people online get online and they're like, but I'm plus size and I'm not able to buy other clothes. And it's like, sweetie, babes, guess what? Yes, you can. Because the thing is, if you're buying five $3 tops from Sheen that are all shit quality, they fall apart. This is not like Payless shoes where like you might get like, two, yeah, they were slightly more uncomfortable, but like you could still get a month's wear out of them. This is not that. These these are hanging on by a thread, kind of falling apart things. And so if you can, if you can, what people are criticizing as far as Sheen as well is not people who have to shop at very inexpensive retailers, which again, I just, I don't think Sheen should be included in there. And I understand when plus size girls are told like, oh, well, thrift. And it's like, yeah, I wish I could. I kind of get that. I can't, I can't thrift all my clothes the way that my friends do. I just, it's not possible. And that's Okay. Um, it doesn't make me, it just, it's the reality of the market. I don't beat myself up for it. They don't beat me up for it. It's okay. It's okay that I buy things. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm very self-soothing right now, but like, that's not the problem. The problem are people who go on Sheen and spend a thousand dollars in one haul just to show you all the things they got from Sheen that are going to go out of style, that are going to whatever. And all of this stuff of like, but I need cute, trendy clothes to go out with my friends in. And it's like, hey, babe, guess what? You don't. You're not entitled to trendy clothing because actually trend is fake. And this expression of self through clothing is only as important as we make it. You deserve to feel great in your clothes. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm not saying that you don't or that nobody does. Like, but this idea of like, it is okay for me to buy Sheen because it's the only way that I can keep up with the Joneses and everybody needs to keep up. No, your brain has been broken by capitalism. <laughs> That's all that is. Oh, I really wish I could breathe through my nose right now. If you can breathe through your nose, just please take one to five really big, nice inhales through it for me. And then feel just a moment of gratefulness that nothing is leaking out of it because it's coming. Uh, And not to curse you, but just to, you know, let you savor these moments of both nasal passages being open. Uh... (laughs) So with Sheen, it's just this thing of like, 
oh, our brains are so broken by capitalism. And TikTok made it so much worse because TikTok is so visual. And I am just so happy that I don't go on that godforsaken app anymore. And all it, it was so easy for me to get rid of. You just had to get rid of it. I just, I like, I, I don't want to harp on this too much because I don't want to become somebody who walks around like, well, I got rid of that. And now I feel so much happier because it's annoying. It's annoying to hear, especially when I was on it all the time. It's like going up to a smoker and being like, you know, this, this person in my life died of lung cancer. They, that's not, they've heard it. You're not going to be the story that changes that smoker's mind. Just like the alcoholic has to hit rock bottom before they get help. You can't help. You can't force somebody into rehab. They have to decide, you know, like it's that thing. And the thing with with TikTok is just it's so visual. And and then people make jokes and they kind of do this thing of like, oh, you know, am I am I anything except my consumer outfits? Can I be anything? Can I define myself without vintage Mew Mew pieces? Anyway, fit check. And it's like, ugh. OK, well. You still want the attention for your outfit, though, so you're not actually making the subversive comment that you thought you were because satire is dead and we haven't been able to actually have proper satire since, I don't know, the 70s. So it just, ugh. And with Sheen, it's like you're not entitled to it. Like, I used to get this, uh, <laughs> you're not entitled to it is something I used to say a lot about Carolyn Calloway, <laughs> who, like, just disappeared off the internet and I deleted Instagram, so I don't give a shit about influencers on Instagram anymore. And wow, is it freeing. Um, although I will say I checked something today and Danielle Bernstein popped up on it and I was like, yes, give me some haterade. Uh, I, we were what made some puffer, big puffer thing that detached the sleeves into a big vest. And, um, she designed it quote unquote design. She ripped it off from another brand. Um, which, which is under like, here's the thing about fashion. Everybody's ripping off everybody, right? Like it's a trickle down economic um, kind of pool of resources. So like the idea is that designers, high echelon designers are making things for the runway that then get turned into ready to wear that then get turned into that then get knocked off by Macy's by blah, blah, blah. And then it trickles its way down, 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 down. And that's why people are two seasons behind. And that's why I am always incredibly shocked whenever I leave New York and see what people are wearing because New York is where it's happening first. Anyway, so Daniel Bernstein last year wore the exact same puffer that she knocked off. She didn't even delete the fucking photo because people are bad at being thieves despite the fact she's got caught so many times. Like, I know that fashion is all knocking each other off, but with this girl in particular, it's so egregious because she's so up her own ass about it. Ugh. And it's just like, like the first scandal and the scandal that I think really like set the tone for Danielle is a, is a scammer and a schemer and not a real designer is that she knocked off a bunch of jewelry and then tried to release it under her name in a collaboration with, oh, I'm going to get this wrong now. I think it was Bloomingdale's. It was like a big department store. And she had knocked off. It wasn't just that she had knocked off somebody, right? She had knocked off a friend, like a, a woman who had trusted her and like brought her into it. Like she had tried on these pieces in this woman's home or like showroom. Like these, this was, this was not just like an oopsie doopsie. We made something that looked like something else or like, oh, everybody's making that kind of charm this year. So it's totally fine. Like the thing about jewelry that's fascinating to me is like a lot of the pieces that are being made today are actually based off of archival pieces from Rhode Island in the sixties. Like nobody's making their own shit anymore. Anyway, fascinating. Um, but with Danielle Bernstein, it's just like girly, girly pop. How are you so bad at this? No one on your team went back and scrubbed the fucking design you knocked off. Like, yes, it's just a big oversized puffer. But then the detachable sleeves. Also, who wants something with detachable sleeves? 
Who is looking for a puffer and a vest and is like, oh, thank God I found it in one. I just, these are car to building, building to car girls. So where is she going? Who are, are you out on the, are, like, here's my question with tactical gear like this. Cause it very much reminds me of um, pants that zip off into shorts. Am I supposed to hold on to the puffer sleeves for the rest of the day? Like if I, like, is, is the idea with this that I leave the house in the, like, why do they pop? Why do they snap off? And if it's for like, oh, well, when you're out, if you get too warm, you can just snap off the sleeves. They're puffer sleeves. They don't fit in anything. Have you ever tried to carry a puffer around? It's not easy. And I say this as somebody who has misworn a puffer twice in the last week and has had to try to carry it around. It's not easy. They, especially the little one that I have that I love so much that I got thrifted because I can thrift just from the men's section. But I will also say, if you are somebody who is looking for higher quality garments, Honestly, often just check the fucking men's section. At Crossroads the other week, this really pissed me off. So Crossroads didn't use to carry my size. I don't know if I mentioned that already. They used to only carry up to a size 14 in women's. Now they have signs up in the store that say, not seeing your size, sell to us, which I will be trying that in the future at Crossroads. And if you don't buy my stuff, I'm going to be pissed at you about it. Um, you know, to a degree. <laughs> but like, anyway, I was shopping and I found this really great gray, just plain gray um, sweater from J. Crew in the men's section. I was like, sick. Um, it was my size, but I was then rifling through the women's and I saw J. Crew women's same, almost the exact same look of sweater, but it had a slight V-neck. And like, I prefer a V-neck because V-necks are just better. Um, they're, they're better for my body shape, but also... Specifically, it's because I have big boobs. And so if I wear crew necks a lot that are tight up top, um, because nobody ever makes has made any garment in consideration with big boobs unless it was custom made for somebody, um, I often can look like I have a bit of a uniboob going on because it's just like I have sweater puppies, but they're not like bursting up. They're bursting forward. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> sweater puppies is a fun way to refer to your own tits. Um, so... I was looking at it and I, I was like feeling the sweater and I was like, oh, it's so much thinner. The exact same price. They are both J. Crew gray sweaters. The men's is made from 100% merino wool and the woman's was 40% polyester. Um, when I had a friend who worked at Camper um, and I always bought the men's version of these, uh, of their like classic brown leather sneakers that I still love, but now I'm like need to be off the ground more in a sneaker. I cannot believe that the Sambas are back, by the way. <sighs> Adidas Sambas are for playing indoor soccer. They are not a fashion statement. I'm so sorry, Mary-Kate Olsen. I love what you wear. I love the rest of the outfit she's wearing with those Sambas. I'll link to a tweet so you can see the outfit that I'm talking about because podcasts are not a visual medium. Um, I hate soccer Sambas so much, and I can't believe that the fashion industry is genuinely trying to bring them back. And also, the Balenciaga X Adidas, I said this uh, to Meryl the other day, but I was just like... It looked like Adidas with Balenciaga on it. It didn't look like Balenciaga with Adidas stripes on it. And like, that is a problem because that I, I really, Balenciaga is one of those things that like, I really used to love. I love a city bag so much. There is no purse I love more. And I won't get one because I don't think I need another designer bag. And I think it, it doesn't like fill a hole in, in my bag collection. Um, I looked at, I literally have stared at city bags for probably longer than any other single item on the planet um, and have talked myself so thoroughly out of them. But I saw something the other day that had the um, the new Balenciaga, new Balenciaga. Um, I 
So, um, the, so Balenciaga is just, it's a, it's a brand that like, I think used to do a lot and used to be very cool. And now they're, they keep making stuff that I'm like, okay, that's literally just derelict from Zoolander. So that's not edgy or interesting or cool. And now I don't know what their brand identity is. Like the bag that became really popular. That's great. But it looked like their old bags. They're not doing anything new. And then the new bag with that fucking serif font that just says Balenciaga across it. The, oh, sorry. Not serif. Sans serif. It is famously sans serif. It is a disgusting bag. And the fact that people look at that and go like, that is the height of fashion. That is just label. That's not fashion. It's a dome bag with a sans serif, completely boring, no personality logo on it. The city bag at least has beautiful details. Like, fashion is um, something that I think was mocked unfairly for a very, very, very long time. And what is such a bummer about that is that it is hard to critique it without people assuming what you're critiquing. But, like, I do think that we reach such a peak and, like, concentration of labels that um, we're kind of on the flip side now. And, like, thrifting is bigger and all of this stuff. But, like, with Sheen, like, nobody is entitled to trendy clothing. You are entitled to clothes on your back. You are absolutely entitled to buy clothes that make you feel good. But trend and all of, like, uh, are we in a Connecticut middle school? Is there a reason? Are your friends going to bully you if you're not wearing the latest, hottest pieces? Because if so, find new friends. I did not look trendy a day in my 20s. I looked fine. I didn't look, you know, but like, it, it's fine. It's hard. It's it, Sheen is not your only option. Save your money. Buy some clothes that'll last. Stop getting into online fights with strangers about Sheen and defending yourself. Like, if you feel the need to defend yourself... Look in on your actions. See if you can understand why you're making them. And if you can, move along with your life. I don't think everything needs to be an argument on Twitter. But then, you know, U.S. representatives get on Twitter and say things like, there's a right to sex? No, there's not. Oh, God. Like, the the idea that a bunch of men are virgins because they can't figure out how to talk to women sounds like a them problem. The bar is so fucking low. Like, learn how to be a person. Learn how to have a hobby. Learn how to talk to somebody. Like, I'm sorry that they got sucked down incel pipelines. But we're all on the same internet, so they have the chance to do other things. They could start viewing women as people and not possessions. Like, there's so much to it, but nobody's entitled to sex. Nobody is entitled to sex workers. We should make sex we should make sex work legal for many, many reasons, and none of them are so that incels can get laid. Anyway. <laughs> I think my brain's gone. I I don't know. I hope this made sense. Um, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> This has been Smoke Show. I'm Claire. Feel free to follow me on Twitter where I usually don't have a head cold. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the newsletter. Why not? Smokeshow.substack.com. Um, there will be links in the description. This is ending so quickly. I feel like I did not wrap anything up. But um, if you've listened to this, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I will be back next week. And I swear to God, I won't be um, on my second bottle of severe Dayquil when I am um, just shout out to New York bodegas for the fact that I went to the same exact place and got eight ounces of the regular Dayquil for twelve ninety nine. went back two days later and got a 12 ounce bottle of the severe cold and flu for eleven ninety nine. Um, pricing makes no sense, but you know, whatever. 
I love the couple there. The lady was so mean to me the other day, though, because I was trying to use Apple Pay, which the husband, like, it's a husband and wife who owns the place. And the husband's very nice to me and he works in the morning. And, like, I gave him an extra cigarette break one. So I feel like we're, like, bonded for life. Also, he asked me who my bias in BTS was. I didn't talk about BTS at all. Uh, BTS is enlisting. If uh, you see anyone outside of ARMY making jokes about, like, ARMY crying or, like, uh, BTS, isn't BTS's fan base called ARMY? Don't worry. ARMY already made the joke. And it was a funnier joke when they made it. So let it go. Um, You know, there's a lot that I want to say about, uh, like, conscription into any ARMY and how that's bad. I don't think the draft should exist anywhere. But none of these boys have ever tried. Boys. Jin is literally 30. Uh, none of them have ever tried to dodge. They were yanked around by their government for years. And Jin is going to release a single with Coldplay because uh, when they collabed, Chris Martin was just like enraptured by Jin. So that's cool and fun. Very exciting. Looking forward to that. It's going to be, I'm going to be a little bit sad that like BTS isn't going to be around until 2025 apparently. But like, that's not a real year. So see you then, boys. They have plenty of content. I I did. The only reaction I really had was like, oh, I wish I had gotten into them sooner so I could have like spent more time in this space. But that was all me. Um, so anyway, we'll ra- we'll really wrap that there. Maybe I can convince somebody to get on mic with me next week and talk about BTS. But that is all dependent on schedules and head colds. So. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.